Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into the commonalities of successful people and the ups and downs of risk-taking. Connect with Carrie through her candid, funny, informative, and always encouraging weekly blog. And now it's time for Carrie to get all up in your business. Thank you, Sun Gray. Before we start, I want to let you know if you miss any part of today's show, want to hear it again or share it, there's a way and Sun Gray will tell you how. Listen to all UIYB past and present interviews by going to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy's YouTube channel, Facebook page, Arkansas Democrat Gazette digital version, flagandbanner.com's website, or wherever you get your podcasts. And by subscribing to our YouTube channel or joining flagandbanner.com's email list, you will receive prior notification of that day's guest. Back to you, Carrie. Thank you, Gray, again. You know my guest today from THV 11's In the Garden. He's the landscape designer, Mr. Chris Olson. I call him a lifestyle expert. <laughs> I've been <Chris>, called worse. <laughs> <laughs> Chris is more than a local gardener in Arkansas. He is a creative businessman with lots of irons in the fire. In addition to his gardening and landscape business in Little Rock Botanica Gardens and his North Little Rock Home and Garden Center, Plantopia, he is a decorator, author, and historic building preservationist and a wordsmith. I think you made all those words up. <laughs> I make a lot of words up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, preservationist. Chris has saved, preserved, and opened his historical home, the Edgemont House, in North Little Rock, Arkansas, to brides and businesses for public use. I can't wait to talk with him about his restoration project of Justin Matthew Jr.'s 1927 Spanish colonial-style home in the historic Park Hill neighborhood. It is a pleasure to welcome to the table the talented, creative, lifestyle expert, risk-taker, always-working, Mr. Chris (laughs) Olson. Is that not true? Are you not always working? Six days a week. I bet really no seven. I I bet you really work seven. Seven is chore day, so technically that probably is working. So if you look at your life, I noticed along with working hard, being passionate about plants, I think you're a risk taker. I am a risk taker. Yeah, you started Botanica Gardens, Plantopia, became a television personality, lifestyle expert, invested in a large restoration project of the historical Edgemont home. Uh, all of those startups take a lot of guts. I know big, bold steps can keep you up at night. Which one of these kept you up the most? The most? Um, probably uh, Plantopia, actually. What? That's not the one I would have guessed. Well, you probably would have guessed Edgemont House. Yes. Okay, yeah. Well, but the, you know, the thing is, in 2015, I, I opened Plantopia and did that. Soon afterwards, in 2016, I did the Edgemont House. So technically, I was doing both of them at the same time, so they could override each other. What was what was the deal with? Why was the plant Tobia keeping you? Um, up? because I didn't realize I'm, I was already working six days a week. Mm-hmm. So now you opened another business, which only took more of your time and worries because you know how it is. It's mm-hmm. money. It's everything that's involved with that. And I I didn't realize uh, how much work it was going to take. Did you buy an existing garden center? Well, it used to be called Lakewood Gardens, and it was closed, I don't know, probably five or so years. And the funny thing about it was about a year earlier, I looked at it, maybe a year and a half earlier, I looked at it with the Matthews Mm -hmm. and was thinking of it. 
and then decided I, they, I didn't hear back from them. So I thought that was God's will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that right. was it. And then there, uh, Norman Clifton bought it from the Matthews. Um, he's a big real estate guy in North Little Rock. Long story short, it was for sale again. When after he bought it, it had sold on. I said, that's another sign from God. I'm not supposed to have it. Mm-hmm. Didn't think twice about it after I drove by it. Then he called me like three months later and says, Chris, you've got to open a nursery here. I go, you sold it. He goes, no, that fell through. He goes, you are going to buy this. Did he make a good deal, I hope? I leased it from him originally, the building, and then about two years later, I bought it from him. You had no idea that you were going to eventually end up buying his family's, one of his family members' homes. Oh, no idea. Wasn't even looking for another home. So for people who didn't remember, catch the intro you ended up in so in 2015 you bought plantopia yeah from uh let's see is that charles matthew no that'd be uh from which matthews did um, you buy that from from, well, from general properties general which properties is, okay yeah. which is a matthews family mm-hmm. business and then a year later you don't even realize it but you fall in <laughs> love with a house that happens to be justin matthews jr's house that was built in 1927 yeah. it's all interconnected somehow Maybe y'all knew all knew each other in life before. I don't know, but it all worked out. Uh, when did the seed of entrepreneurship first begin for you? you? You know, I have always been that way. I started in Connecticut when I was a little kid. My dad uh, had a very stressful job. He was a stockbroker and actuary and all that. So his way to relieve his stress was a garden. So he created our whole backyard was a garden, orchard and everything. So. I big backyard. To, it, we had a big backyard. In I mean, Connecticut, you had a big it, backyard? Yeah, we had a big backyard. Okay. I mean, we used to ride the station wagon picking up bags of grass and leaves to use as mulch in the garden. So I loved it. So he gave me a little patch of land. Uh, my grandpa had an old wagon. We painted it green. Like you're wearing green today, my favorite color. <laughs> <laughs> and I grew a vegetable garden, and that's how I started. I used to sell vegetables to my neighbors, and then I also had a paper route. And it all started... Because my dad was under, always never gave, they never gave allowance. You had to earn your money. I mean, I didn't live a bad life. I lived a good life. But nonetheless. You are living in yeah, Connecticut. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so um, I earned my own money and I grew up that nobody owes you anything and you owe no one anything. You work for it. You got, uh, you, you became, that, that instilled an ambition in you to Absolutely. earn stuff. I always worked from the beginning and always enjoy working. You can do that same scenario with another child, and it won't work. That's exactly It'll make them mad. So you grew up on the East Coast. Your father was an actuary and a bond daddy, it sounds like. Um, you had a greenhouse in your backyard. You have an innate passion for gardening that was like a lifelong goal. Did you go to school for horticulture? Um, well, I did go to Oxford, England, but I went to architecture, landscape design. So I did not go to a horticultural school, though. So you went to Oxford, England, to an architectural landscape, landscape design. Art- Is that like a two-year program? Yes, two-year program. Is that what you would recommend to other people? Um, I mean, there's so many great programs here in the United States now, and, and I think we have one locally. So um, it's a great experience because, you know, there you study at actual gardens, you walk through and you learn their philosophies behind it. It's much more than just plant design and plant knowledge. It's really about the principles of design. Then you come back to the U.S. where you learn plant knowledge. I just got it from working in nurseries. And, um, of course, my dad has a passion for plants, too, so I picked it up from him. And the coolest thing is, is on weekends when I was a kid, me and my dad would visit nurseries 
and he put in a little shells in my window to grow house plants and anyway and i always made money doing it so you remind me so much of peon smith are y'all best friends no doesn't everybody ask you that everyone has compares so much us, in common you know, no y'all have so much in common yeah well, it's funny because he went to school in Europe. That's too, what to Cambridge. I was going to say. I know. We're very parallel lives. And then when I started Horticare, me and my dad started Horticare, we bought the old Burnham Woods, which was P. Allen's. It's freaky how it all works out. But we do not socialize at all, believe it or not. You should. Y'all could probably become best friends that ne- that could probably talk forever and ever and ever. Um, it's like Fletcher Fletcher uh, Fletcher Ford and Steve Landers. Yeah. Both love racehorses, and their wives told them to get together and talk to each other. And they were like, what would I do that for? He's my competitor. And then they got together, and they're best friends. They talk on the phone every day. You, were, you, you Your lives are so parallel. See, I would be that way because I do not have an ego where that would intimidate me at all, or I'd think that we're competitors. I think we both have the same passion. You would probably uh, grow, you'd probably get together and feed off of each other and grow your ideas. You'd have somebody like-minded person. So how did you end up in Little Rock, Arkansas? Um, well, coming from Connecticut, I moved just a few times. So we moved to Atlanta, Georgia for a year and a half. And then from there, we moved to Little Rock. And we lived in Little Rock for about three and a half years. And then we moved to San Diego. Good night, nurse. <laughs> we kept going west. Why did your daddy, was it all for careers? Uh, he, every time he moved, he got a better, better job. Now, let's talk about bot- Botanica Gardens and how did it come to be? And did you make that word up? <laughs> Is it Botanica? Botanica without the L. You did make that word up. Well, it's been around, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like a rapper. He just makes up words. <laughs> what year did you start Botanica? Uh, I started Botanica in 2003. Oh, okay. What services? Why did you start it? What came about? How did the events happen? Well, originally I had Horticare, which was, I was in business with my dad. We both were 50-50 in that. Your business was Horticare? Yeah. I did not. It was called Doremus Landscape, and then I changed it to Horticare. I remember that. Where was it? It was on Stagecoach, which my brother now owns. So he still has Horticare. You're exactly like Peon Smith. I know it's, it's spooky because they're y'all brothers. Together. I know. We're gonna have dinner. I, put it on the calendar. I'm getting y'all together. All I right, would go do ahead. It. Go ahead. Anyway, long story short is I just I we were gonna open a second location, and um I we did in the Heights area where we we're looking for a, a you know kind of a garden boutique, a little bit more California fun and funky kind of thing, and so I also had two partners at that time. We started it, and now I'm the only owner of it. And did you have a falling out? No, no, no. But you know. You just it's my passion it wasn't their passion right so it worked out you're also a decorator known for your use of color and produce a today's home segment that is seen in 33 states if you're a lifestyle expert what is that uh, that show uh-huh. it's called today's home with chris h olson and it's lifestyle segments and it's anything to do with your lifestyle i mean from cooking to gardening um to interior design all different things I mean, how I just long, talk how, about whatever. And, and it's how many minutes? Or? Well, they're only they're segments. They're like minute and a half to two minute segments. So, and what happens is uh, different stations, not different networks, purchase them and they use them wherever they want to. So, I had a friend in Florida we're just talking about who just was getting a haircut and he heard my voice and NBC was using it. So, you know, it just depends whoever uses it and buys it. How do you uh, get people to pick that up? I started with Channel 11. 
you know, so in the garden, in the garden. So they would they purchased those segments. We produced them. Me and Scott Roman, who's my camera guy, we produced them. They bought them and they used it for fillers in their shows. And because of that, then uh, another one of them, our general manager from here moved and he started showing them in North Carolina and his and they just got. Now, I've seen you live on In the Garden, but you actually do. No, I pre-tape segments. Oh, I just think you're live in the garden, maybe. Oh no, no. When I'm and when I'm at Channel Eleven, that is all live except for I do the Vine now. Um, I'm privileged that they give me that, and I do one Thursday a month live. The rest of them are pre-taped. How do you find time to garden, design, entertain in your home, be on TV? Because going on those segments takes preparation. Yes. It's not like you're just going to show up. No, I mean you got to You got to. You got to make those projects and make sure they work first and then you have to recreate them on air how much do you sleep um you know what i only need about five hours of there sleep. it is <laughs> i i i now i'm an early riser because i hate to waste a morning i i wake up at 4 30 or so i work out first you look like it and then i go and do my thing but by 9 30 you know I'm, I'm in bed reading but when i fall asleep i am dead to the world you also have a furniture and plant brand called Hemajank. Well, you're talking about making up words. I actually, this is the weirdest word. You're going to have to spell it <laughs> okay. for everybody. Hemajang is J-H. The J is silent. So yeah. J-H. Thanks for nothing. Thanks for nothing, Chris. <laughs> well, it, it looks good. So it's J-H-E-M-A-J-A-N-G. Hemajang. And... It, it's a, I, I swear. I love it. No, no, <laughs> no, you do it, not. It, it rolls off. The t- it's going to be in the dictionary one day. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm here for it. And, and I just started using it. It was funny. I was filming for Leisure Arts when they were doing all their uh, DVDs, and I was doing a couple DVD lines for them. And we had a producer that came down, I think from California, and she was exhausted. And anyhow, so we're filming. And I said, all you got to do is just hem and jank it together, and it just all works. And I swear, I've been using it for years and never knew I made it up. Until that point, she stopped, you know, the camera. What in the world is hemorrhaging? She might have used other words. But, you know, because <laughs> we're all just tired. And I uh-huh. said, hemorrhaging. And I realized that was the first time that I realized I'm, I made it up. If you talk to my friends, they will tell you I make up a lot of words. Why does it start with J? I don't know. It just just happened that way. So hemorrhaging, this is how I define it. So And I trademarked it. So that's my plant line and my furniture line are trademarked. So hemorrhaging is the art of mixing it up. It's taking items that are related and unrelated and mixing them up in such a fun, funky way that it just works. And that's hemorrhaging. We all hemorrhaging. We just didn't know it. Sounds like a dance move to me. <laughs> Do you ever get a creatively stifled where it's just hard to keep coming up with ideas? Not yet. Really? Do I worry about it? Yes. Do you really? I really do. Um, I've learned my most creative time is when I fly on a plane. No distractions. There's nothing there but you. And I take I call my thinking book. Are you alone on that plane? Yeah. No, no. Well, I'll be like, with other passengers. Yeah. Or, so, and you say there's no distractions and you're sitting. Well, I mean, there's no distractions because you're just sitting there. I take a nap in the beginning and then I have my book and I start doodling and then it just comes out of me. All the people around you aren't driving you nuts? No, I block them out. Wow, I wish I could do that. <laughs> so that's your most creative and you get your book out and you just start. 
yep. writing stuff and down. And then I'll design Christmas things, clients' places, my home. It just pops in my head like the logo for Plantopia. I love that. I was going to hire someone to do it, to design it, and it was too expensive. I was at the light in Chanel, and it hit me. Yin yang. The leaves, two leaves go in different directions, and that's how I, I did the logo. I, I tell myself, don't worry about it. It will come to you when you least expect it, and usually that's when it happens. But I have to write it down sometimes. I'll forget. Oh, yeah. Fairy, I've been to your place. You've got fairy gardens, pot faces, air plants. I don't even know what those are. Talanzias. They oh. grow in trees on the oh. bark without much of a root system. And Arkansas orchids. We do, yeah, we have a Arkansas grower of orchids. Uh, the Botanica Gardens is very well known for their orchids. And we ship from California. I mean, you order it that afternoon, they're there that morning. That's how fast it comes. They're fresh. Orchids have an interesting story that goes behind them. They used to be worth thousands of dollars. People used to collect them. They were like, only people that could get them were rich people. Well, the well, well, tropicals were the sign of wealth. If you had palm trees and pots, that you're, it was a wealthy home. And now that everybody has that. All right. Tell us. Oh, well, you told us how you came to uh, own Plantopia Home and Garden Center, but you didn't tell us where the name came from. Um, Just thought a utopia. And then because, you know, plants are, you know, to me are, you know, a yin yang type of thing. So I just came up with Plantopia. How many employees do you have? Um, I have probably with all the companies uh, a little over 50. Who hires and manages them? Uh, I have I have great managers. Okay. So, um, like like my maintenance division, I have a residential manager. I have a commercial manager. They hire their employees. Um, I hire the managers, and then each store, they uh, each manager hires the employees. What's the difference between your Little Rock store Botanica Gardens and your North Little Rock store Plantopia? Botanica Gardens is probably uh, it's a little bit more of a boutique. Store, it's bigger than people think it is because when you walk in it and you go outside, you can't believe how large it is. Um, since because it's smaller and it's in the in condensed area, you know, in the heights, uh, it has very cool, fun, funky things, a lot of one of a kind things. And then Plantopia is acres, so it's much larger and it's it, it gets more into all the different types of plant material shrubs and trees bushes and stuff. yeah and stuff like that as botanica has some but we specialize in more specialty plants there so speak to the challenges that faces a company when you have perishable merchandise and it's seasonal that's I the mean, part i hate you are just ready i mean how do you prepare for a slow season um you do reserves uh and what you, does that mean Cash reserves, you, oh. know, you, you you do that, and really mostly services. So Botanica is has a big size landscape firm and maintenance, so that's year-round. So that is our saving grace, technically. That's where I make really more of my money is doing that. What about gearing up for the busy season? Um, Your managers do that? They're like, you. do you go to market? I'm the everything? only one that goes to market. It, I, I just know what I like. And I buy, we have similar items in both stores, but then they also carry different items. It looks like you're into butterflies this year. <laughs> so my manager just said that at Plantopia. She said, how many butterflies did you buy? Yeah. I go, apparently my gut said it's the year of the butterflies. It's pretty. Let's hope so. <laughs> and then you've got a lot of faces, pot faces. Yes, that is a big thing. And uh, we, I really expanded that line. We sell lots of pot faces. They have personality and they make you happy. 
All right, this is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with landscape designer, entrepreneur, lifestyle expert, Mr. Chris Olson. We'll be answering gardening questions and talk about his recent renovation project. In 2016, Chris bought the Justin Matthews Jr. home in North Little Rock, Arkansas, called the Edgemont. He has since rehabbed it to create a spectacular masterpiece of this 1927 Spanish colonial home. And you can see it. We'll hear about its public usage for weddings and corporate meetings. Can't wait to talk about the renovate. Long before Beyonce sang this song to the Obamas at the inaugural ball, Etta James sang it on the Dreamland Ballroom stage. Located on the top floor of the FlagandBanner.com building in downtown Little Rock, there lies a historical treasure called the Dreamland Ballroom, where musical greats like Louis Armstrong, Ella Fitzgerald, and Etta James once played. Thirty years ago, this magnificent venue was destined for the wrecking ball. But since 2009, the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland has worked to restore this piece of Arkansas heritage. They've made it their mission to bring back its history and culture by providing tours, artistic performances, musical education, and cultural outreach. As you walk to the entrance of Dreamland, you'll notice the paver bricks that are engraved with commemorative names and phrases chosen by donors to Dreamland. The Pave the Way fundraiser is an ongoing project of the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland. Paver bricks are available for you to be a part of this restoration project. Visit dreamlandballroom.org to find out how you can contribute. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with Mr. Chris Olson, owner of the historic Edgemont Home and founder of Botanica, Botanica Gardens and Plantopia Home and Center in Central Arkansas. Before this, we've talked about the business of owning your own plant store um, and the risk-taking that he does and a little bit about education and how he got became and how Chris Olson became passionate about what he's doing. But let's talk gardening tips now. Changing for the season is a lot of work. Knowing when to prune, when to fertilize is tricky business. Mm -hmm. I just burnt a plant up in my house during with Miracle Grow this past winter. Which means you got to buy a new one now, right? Oh. See, it's not always a bad thing. What a business owner right there. (laughs) Um, But pruning is tricky because you can cut the the buds off, the flowers off. So how do you recommend people keep up with that do you have a gardening calendar um well yes i mean and of course we have the website now what you know i mean not the website but the internet which gives you a lot of month to month you know hints and things to do but there's a general rule so when it comes to pruning usually if it's a spring bloomer an azalea anything that blooms in the spring you normally prune it after it blooms and starts to flush out never before and usually you stop pruning that in july because if you, if you do that and you trim them back in July, they still have a month or two to grow back and they'll, they'll bloom off of that growth. But if you bloom them too late in the season, and since they bloom on new wood and new growth, then you sacrifice the flowers. That's so you, the general rule. So spring flowers. After are, they bloom and flush out. Only put flowers on new growth. Most do. Some most bloom do. on, they have new hybrids now that do what both. What about but. winter? What about all my hollies and... Oh, well, because that's what everybody's doing sure, right now. Sure. I mean, you can prune those in the south majority at any time of the year. Just don't prune them heavily in the wintertime, because if you remember, it's an evergreen hollies and they produce what food with the green leaves. If you cut them way back, there's no way for them to produce any food because they're not going to flush out for a couple months. 
and the plant can starve that way. So the general rule is you can prune them lightly, but not too heavy. So my red tip fatin is no, no, my, uh, what's the Nandinas that I have? Yes. Those I think you have to prune right now because they put their berries on. Yes, correct. You would sacrifice, but they, once they bloom, if you trim them before that, then they don't have berries. Mm-hmm. It's spring. What should we all be doing right now? This is the time to get your yards ready. I mean, you should have by now cut your liriope back, crepe myrtles back. It's not too late for some things. And this is the time to clean out the leaves and rebark your beds before everything flushes out like crazy. It's easier to, to rebark before plants flush out. Oh, so we should be cleaning our oh, beds, yeah. putting yeah. down new bark. Why is bark so good for gardens? Um, it's, it's organic. It rots. So it really does condition a bed it does two things it does a couple things first of all it conditions the soil over time that's why you want to mulch it every year because it rots put it on thick we put it on th at least three inches thick because if you put it on light it's going to be gone in a couple months with all of our humidity and rain uh, it also keeps weeds at bay because it smothers uh, weeds out and seeds weed seeds germinate with light and if you bury them under mulch they won't germinate at all you know and it conserves moisture it really does cut down on watering is there a mulch that you prefer? Yeah. Or which one? Um, there's hardwood mulch, and there's double hammered and single hammered and so on. Uh, a Plantopa, we sell one that's a single hammered, but it's not too chunky, but it's not too fine. A lot of people like fine mulch, but if it's already really fine, it's going to rot very quickly. So And it washes very quickly. So you want something with a little bit more chunk to it. And that's single hammered mulch. Single hardwood. hammered? What's that mean? Is that cedar? They, what is that? They, they, they churn it at the lumber yards. They turn it once or twice, which means that it's still chunky and it's not fine. The more they churn it in there, whatever you call the we things. We used to all get cedar mulch. You can't hardly find that uh, anymore. You can find it somewhere. It just costs more. Why did we quit using cedar mulch? I thought that kind of uh, chased bugs away also. Well, there's, there's some truth to that and there's some myth to that. People think hardwood mulch actually brings insects and stuff like that. Any organic matter can even cedar mulch, but I think it's more the cost and the availability of it. Yeah, Harbor mulch is much more available from lumber yards. Is cedar in, uh, is it, is it threatened or something? I mean, we run um, out of cedar I, trees. I don't know if it's, I don't know. I really think it's cost. If you need 12 yards of mulch, you're going to go for the cheaper one. Mm -hmm. Saves money. So my husband's going to be mad about this question because he's a grass man, but are grass yards Passe. No, you know, I, I, my other house, I had no lawn. That was only because I had too many trees, but this house, I have a much bigger lawn. No, no, the lawns are coming back, you know, but it just takes a lot of watering. Of course, that doesn't matter in Arkansas. You know, technically a lawn is less maintenance than a flower bed because really? you just mow it, you know, as beds, you have to weed it all the time. You have to mulch them. You have to trim what's in it. And in a lawn, it can be less maintenance. If you have a chemical program, don't have weeds in it, it's less maintenance. So I had a chemical program for my husband, St. Augustine, and it and we put this, uh, but a broadleaf that that uh, kill a weed killer, broadleaf weed killer, ended up killing the trees. You know, there, there you have to be very careful with chemicals. There is what's called chemical drift. So if you, in, in the fumes of it, which can injure plants, like we've had clients' houses last year for, for some reason, we had a lot of clients whose plants were mutated. Their oak trees were mutated. Everything around the, all the bushes around the trees were mutated. What do you mean mutated? The leaves curled up 
Oh. And some, you can tell something was wrong and they're defoliating. And majority of the time, that's a chemical drift. Somewhere a neighbor sprayed or a chemical company sprayed and it drifted in the wind. And it can be very toxic to other plants if it's not applied correctly. Well, I went to the uh, extension office and found out that trees are broadleaf and that when you put down a broadleaf killer in your yard over and over and over, you end up killing your trees. Yeah. How far out should you mulch your tree to kind of prevent that from happening? Um, in the best world, you should come out about five foot or so, you know, to the tree line, to the tree drip line of a tree. That's ideally would be the best, but that would be big tree rings. It's all how it's applied, when it's applied, if it's applied correcting what you apply. So for me, technically, I think it's better to hire a professional company to spray than for you to do it yourself. Because for me, I don't like to deal with chemicals. I just don't. We need them. But I don't like to touch them. Do you, uh, what do you get asked about the most? Growing marijuana. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I have been asked that though. <laughs> I didn't expect that. I had like bees, chickens, flower garden, vegetable garden, marijuana garden. Oh, what would be the, oh, God, that's a, that's a good question. Probably most what plants provide the most color and what kind of color combos look the best. Okay, what? Uh, everyone has a different flavor, but I believe that at, if you add three colors together, like with seasonal color, it, it complements each other and brings out more color. If you start to go too much beyond that, it looks confusing to the eye. More than three. Don't mm -hmm. do more than three. Well, you can. I mean, but, I, I'm addicted to plants, so I love color. But usually when I design, yeah, a certain area, I try to stick with three colors. And do you like for, let's say, for spring, what's your favorite color for spring? It's hard to limit myself to a three. Color. Give me three. Well, of course, yellow is one of my favorite colors. It's, it, for summer. Yeah, for I spring. Love orange, orange for summer. You know, I love hot oranges and stuff for summer. I like rich, hard, you know, intense colors for summer, and more pastel-y stuff. You know, soft colors for the springtime. I love pinks. You know, I know I love pink. That's a guy color now too, and that's and all so I, I want to plant is pink and purple. I, I really do love pinks. I don't like red in the summer; it makes me hot. You know, red is not one of my favorite colors when it comes to plants, and I didn't think about it until just now. I don't really buy many red plants. I don't like red pansies. I think they're dull. They don't have a lot of. They're not vibrant. So I always add yellow because yellow is the one color that seems to complement all of the colors. Oh, interesting. It really highlights everything. So I would have never thought to put yellow and pink, but I bet yellow, pink, and purple would be really pretty. Beautiful. Well, because I, purple yeah. and yellow are lovely together. I think yellow is the first color your eyes attracted to. Really? You notice it. That's why I use it in commercial properties because it brings people into their signage. And if it brings them to the signage, maybe they're going to rent an apartment. If they rent an apartment, what are they going to do? Spend more money on landscaping. So it all works out. <laughs> He's always thinking. He? <laughs> do you prefer plants in pots or in the ground? Because you use a lot of pots. And what do you think about that? Um, both. I love, I love containers. I like big pots. Because the larger the pot, the less maintenance it usually is. Because the less watering you have to do, the better the plants do. Oh. And I shove and cram my pots full of plants. In and a big pot. Oh, yeah. Bigger the better. That's what they always say. It's true. What's the number one mistake home gardeners make? Uh, watering, probably. Here's what happens. They can't read a plant. You have to read a plant. So if it's wilting, what do you do? You water it. 
And then what if it's still wilting, you water it again. And then still you water we well, then it's drowning. Yeah. So if a plant doesn't pop up and it's still wilting, it's overwatered. And once a plant is, is overwatered, what happens is the root system is suffocating. Once a plant starts to suffocate, it usually never will rebound. But if it dries out, and not not too bad, but dries out, it usually can rebound. So you rather underwater than overwater. Interesting. So I water my house plants once a week, except for the orchid. I order that orchid and the Christmas cactus once a month, and then everything else once a week. It, it comes with time. So all my Sunday is my chore day. So Sundays I water my all my plants. It takes me like two hours to water my inside. <laughs> I got a lot of plants, but I can read them. If it looks moist, I might just give it a little bit of water. But then you know you have other house plants that dry out every week and you have to give them more. So you just have to watch what they're telling you. If they're starting to defoliate and they're dry too much, they're stressing too much, you need to water it more. That is so true. Some people cannot read a plant at all. And some people are intimidated by it. So we have moisture meters. It's great, you stick it in there, it tells you if it's dry, moist, or wet. Oh. It helps out a lot of people. Uh, Climate change, is there anything we're doing different? Is it because this year's been exceptionally rainy and it seems like it has been a well, lot lately. I can tell you, you know, so many people say or don't believe in climate change. Uh-huh. And, and I can't say, you know, scientifically, but I remember when I first moved to Arkansas in 92, I couldn't wear shorts usually past mid-October because it really started freezing frost. Now I wear it almost to mid to end of November. So something has changed. Well, it's so wet this season and it's been so wet for so many, every every it's, year it's, yes. been, it's been really, really wet. You know, it's hard for me in my business because when it's cloudy and rainy, they don't come shopping. But I look at it this way. I much rather have us have too much water than too little water. So you're not ch- changing anything about the way you're doing business based on the the. Have, has our zone changed? Has Arkansas's uh, you know, planting once, zone they, changed? We're seven, and we're kind of like seven and a half here. They changed it one time to eight, and they brought it back down. You know, so I uh, eight well, being warmer. Yeah, what has happened is this is what has changed. Everything comes in earlier now. You never bought until mid-April. That was the way it is. And that that changed not only because of the weather, but then you have all these discount stores, and everyone's trying to push plants out. To get to get the market share in the beginning, it's like mm-hmm. Christmas. It mm-hmm. starts in July now, and well, re- technically our last date of frost in Central Arkansas is historically April fifteenth. We could still have another frost. Now it doesn't look like it this winter because we haven't had a frost in almost four weeks. So it's a very mild winter, but everything is getting earlier. We're pushing it a little too much, and we have to push it because everybody else is pushing it. Can we put our plants out on the porch now? Um, if it's a covered porch, yes, I think we're okay. I'm taking my big palms and stuff are being delivered from the greenhouses tomorrow to my house. I think we're going to be okay. But there is always that chance. We may have a frost, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's going to be a low ground Grandmother frost. always said never plant b- before Easter. And Easter is always based around the moon. So it changes. She might know something. She might know. Grandmother also but said. no one's listening to grandma right now. Nobody listens to grandmothers <laughs> anymore. You know, here's something else you might disagree with. And then we've got to move on because I want to talk about your house. Uh, grandmother used to say that when you plant a plant in the ground, that you should always fill the hole with water to help with shock. Um, I don't do that because you can also drown a plant. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that you need to water a plant thoroughly. 
And I use what's called root hormone B1, a root stimulator, uh-huh. which helps heal the roots and gives them nutrients, et cetera, for a plant to really rebound fast. Oh, so root stimulator. That's good stuff. Yeah. I just want to tell everybody before we move on that you're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and that I'm speaking today with Mr. Chris Olson, owner of the historic Edgemont Home and founder of Botanica Gardens and Plantopia Home and Garden Center in Central Arkansas. He's a lifestyle specialist. He's got a great Facebook presence. He's got 5,000 followers. He posts live on it every week. Uh, I rec- I joined today. I recommend all of y'all join today. Stay tuned. More to come. Flagandbanner.com's Brave Magazine. Proud to underwrite Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. Weekly interviews that offer a mentoring platform for those with an entrepreneurial spirit and encouraging listeners to press forward when facing failure. In other words, be brave. Brave Magazine is distributed twice a year, and our goal is to inspire you to celebrate your own bravery and recognize it in others. Sign up for your free subscription at flagandbanner.com. Flag and Banner's Brave Magazine, always spotlighting stories of bravery told by Flag and Banner customers to our sales staff. The Department of Arkansas Heritage recognized our magazine by requesting all past and future editions of Brave be sent to the Arkansas State Archives for preservation. Advertising opportunities and free subscriptions available at flagandbanner.com. Now, first, before we move on to this question, I want to preface this next segment by telling our listeners that you bought the vacated 1927 Edgemont home on Skyline Drive in the historic Park Hill neighborhood in North Little Rock, Arkansas, and that the style of the architecture is Spanish colonial. Let's start with the home's history. Can you tell us about it? Um, well, it was built in, in 1927. It was Justin Matthews Jr.'s home, personal home, and they actually start at my neighborhood in Park Hill, which was called Edgemont, and that's why the house was called Justin Matthews Jr., which it still is, but I call it the Edgemont house. That's just oh. my short term for it. Um, and, uh, because of the history of the neighborhood and, and Edgemont neighborhood was to rival Edge Hill neighborhood in Little Rock. Well, it, yes. What well, the street in Little Rock is was Edge, Edge Hill. Hill. So Edgemont was a, uh, supposed to be wealthy or wealthy street. So, and they were trying to bring that to North Little Rock. Of course, when they built the house, my house was the first house built in the neighborhood. One of the first houses built in the neighborhood. And, um, of course, soon afterwards, the Depression came, and that changed everything in the neighborhood. Did they lose their home? They lost their home. How many owners has it had? I'm the ninth owner. Did you worry about that? Well, some neighbors call it the white elephant because three people have died in the house, including Yikes. the last owner. And all of them young. One was 23. One was in their 50s. And the other in the 40s. So, Are you checking your pulse every day? Uh, you know, I mean, your well, here's the funny thing. When I start working on the house, you're talking about stress. I had a major colon infection, which the doctor said, you have too much stress. And that's when I learned to reduce my stress. And I thought, oh my God, because I never get sick. It is happening. (laughs) But since then, everything has been good. Have you had anybody come in with like a priest come in? No. Why not? You know, when I was so busy, I I was so busy with work in the house, I never thought about the deaths in the house being haunted. And people always tell me the house is haunted. Until I almost moved in, and then it dawned on me, what if, well, I can't afford to move now. I put too much into the house. So I had a slumber party the first night because I was not going to live in the house, sleep in the house alone the first night. And the house is very quiet. There is nothing that gives me that vibe. That's nice. But 
just to get if there is any juju. You said you took your mother over there. I took my mom over there in the very beginning before I bought it. And she said, she looked at me and she goes, no, no. And it, it just would ponder. I love the house I lived in before I built it. It just pondered my mind. And I knew I would move. Only I knew because a house would find me. Because it wasn't for sale. It just pondered me. And I had Absolutely. to have it. And somehow, it, God's will, everything worked out the way it was supposed to be. So you ended up moving. I, uh, I bought it in June of 2016. It took months to negotiate with the daughters. I almost backed out. And then it all worked out. And then I moved in October 2016. We did a massive renovation with my guys from Botanica after hours. What's the first thing you did? First thing we did, well, the outside was the worst of the house because the house has no eaves. It had no gutters for 20-something years. So the water ran down the house. So we had to rebuild the majority of the windows. Oh. So we started on the outside first to get it dry. And then we moved on the inside. I was surprised you didn't keep the front doors awning. Uh, that wasn't there. There was no front door awning. Oh. Now, I have pictures from the 60s. That I saw yes. online. Now, if there used to be lanterns and everything in front, all that was gone. There was no light fixtures except for one broken lantern at the front door. You used to entertain in your other house. Yeah, all the time. Before the show, I just tripped across a video you did of taking people touring to your house, and you had, you entertained there. Yeah. I was only 2,000 square foot. It was in West Little Rock, and I did bus tours and everything. I didn't do weddings or anything like that, but I did bus tours for people to come see your 2,000 square foot home. Yeah. Well, it was the yard. It was amazing because you wouldn't, when you came down, you, you drive through my neighborhood and you think, does Chris live here? Because it's just a regular neighborhood. And then you're in a cul-de-sac and my house was hidden. All you could see was one garage door and no one knew where they're going and they didn't make sense where they were. And then when they got out and walked through the gates into the house in the backyard, it was almost, a, it was almost an acre. Um, it changed everyone's What'd mind. What your neighbors think when busloads would pull up? Of people um, pull well, up? I had great neighbors in the cul-de-sac. But that's why I ended up moving because the city of Little Rock was trying to prevent me from having tours. And the funny thing was there were Little Rock tours. But but anyhow, because, you know, it's a residential neighborhood. So when I bought the Edgemont house, that was a concern of mine and the neighbors. And we're very conscientious of the neighbors and parking. But the city of North Little Rock had a emergency legislative meeting and voted into uh, law that anyone in North Little Rock that has a historical home with certain regulations can open it up for tours. Did they do that because of you? I think that was a big influence. I'm so glad you saved this house. Tell everybody how many square feet it is. It is. I enclosed parts of it. It's almost 8,000 square feet. Can you imagine taking care of an 8,000 square foot home? <laughs> how many bathrooms does it have? Six. Bedrooms? Uh, it has four upstairs. The outside, when the house was built, there was no such thing as landscaping. No, it was just a hedge against the front of the house. If people had crepe myrtle uh, or had a crepe myrtle or had uh, azaleas in their front yard, it was like, oh, look at the azaleas. Today. Yeah, it's pretty packed. They're <laughs> but out. It's, it's you know, people call it the North Little Rock Botanical Garden because, you know, it really technically, I got every type of plant you can imagine. So you do tours. Yeah. You do um, you do weddings. We do lots of weddings. How do people find out about it? Um, word of mouth now. Of course, we advertise and stuff like that. You got a website? Yeah, it's the edgemonthouse.com. Edge, the the, edgemonthouse. the edgemonthouse.com. I recommend go there, take his virtual tour. 
It'll blow you away. I can't wait to come to a party there sometime and see I will see have it. you. And we're doing a tour uh, in May, I think May 9th, assuming everything's okay with everything that's going on today. And that's a spring oh, tour. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. It's on the website. If I wanted to get a landscape design from your team, what's the first thing I would do? I am the only landscape designer at Botanica Gardens. So you just call Botanica Gardens and it's a free appointment. And I come out and meet you and we just go from there. Out of all the stuff you do, which seems like way too much to make money at, which one does is your most profitable? Uh, landscaping. Uh, the design? Uh, installation. The, the of installation mm -hmm. of landscaping. you got a great team. Get in there and get it done. Mm -hmm. Chris, thank you for sharing your story. I had thank a you. gift for you. You do? It's a garden banner. All right. <laughs> of course. Oh, perfect. Thank you. I and love look, it. You have to have a garden banner stand. Okay, yes, I was going to say, how am I going to hang this? Right here. All right. Garden batter stand. I'm going to hang it with pride. There you go. Thank you. You're welcome. I've really enjoyed talking to you. I can't wait to see what you do next. You never know, because I, I don't know. So. <laughs> Best of luck. Thank you. You're welcome, because your continued success is so much fun. I love it. Uh, Gray, who's coming next week? Or is it not really next week? I think it's in two weeks. Mm -hmm. We're doing a rerun next week. And then in two weeks, we'll have a new interview with Governor Mike Beebe. And we're going to do it uh, uh, over the telephone. I know. Yeah, phone interview. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It'd be great. Yeah. Keeping our distance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to all, thank you for spending time with us. We hope you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening. And that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio show, and choose today's guest. If you'd like to sponsor this show or any show, contact me, gray, at flagandbanner.com. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Stay informed of exciting upcoming guests by subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast wherever you'd like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple, to help you live the American dream.